This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Every new year, we get obsessed with how to change ourselves instead of just expanding on what we're already doing right. Maybe you finally organized one part of your space and you want to tackle another. Or maybe you're taking your supplements every morning and now you want to actually eat breakfast too. Therapy can also help you build on what's working by helping you find your strengths so that you can ditch the extreme resolutions and make changes that really stick. I know firsthand how helpful it can be to learn positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. Therapy isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Celebrate the progress that you've already made. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Curiosities today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Curiosities. Welcome to Aaron Menke's Cabinet of Curiosities, a production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild. Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. The people that we see on TV and movie screens today often started from humble beginnings. Kathleen and Percy Carey, for example, lived with their sons in a Volkswagen van for a short time while Percy was looking for work. He finally found a job at a tire factory working in the accounting department, and the boys took jobs as janitors and security guards at the factory in exchange for living in the house that the company moved them into across the street. But eventually, one of those boys broke out of his uniform and went on to great acclaim. Because everyone knows who Jim Carrey is now. In the mid-1960s, Martin Luther King Jr. and his wife Coretta Scott King were already well-known. They had marched on Washington in 1963, where Martin delivered one of the greatest and most famous speeches in American history on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial. Their words and actions were being heard and felt across the country as black men and women fought for their civil rights. And yet, despite their fame and calls for unity, the kings were often persecuted because of their race. That would have been hard enough for only two adults, but the kings also had four children. Four children to guide through a world that would simultaneously revere them and condemn them. It was a terrible situation, and their parents did all they could to make things as normal as possible. And so sometime during the mid-1960s, Mrs. King tried to enroll her children in acting school. And unsurprisingly, not a single facility nearby would take them in. Despite the Civil Rights Act explicitly outlawing segregation in businesses and public spaces, schools and other establishments still did what they could to prevent Black people from participating. So with nowhere else to turn, Mrs. King called up the little-known Atlanta Actors and Writers Workshop, led by couple Betty Lou and her husband Walter. Betty Lou didn't hesitate. She said to Mrs. King, Sure, come on over. And just like that, the King children were finally able to take acting lessons. Eldest daughter Yolanda King was lucky enough to study with the co-owner, Walter, exclusively. But that wasn't all. The Atlanta workshop was one of, if not the only integrated acting school around, where white students and black students could recite lines and perform plays on stage together. It sounds heartwarming now, but at the time it caused an uproar in the community. 
1965, she was cast as the romantic lead in a new play that the workshop was putting on. However, her co-star happened to be white, which led to violent unrest. One person hurled objects at the actors on stage while the show was going on. Another man, with ties to the Ku Klux Klan, blew up a car outside the theater the next day. Walter and Betty Lou did their best to keep all of the kids safe, especially the King children, which Mr. and Mrs. King never forgot. Eventually, as word of their integrated school got around, business started to dry up and the workshop lost money. Betty Lou and Walter were in dire straits by 1967, which would turn out to be an extremely bad time for them, as they had a second child on the way. In late October, Betty Lou went into the hospital to give birth to a baby girl. However, this being America and all, having a baby was a costly experience, even back then. Childbirth costs in the 1960s averaged anywhere from a few hundred dollars to over a thousand dollars, a far cry from the tens of thousands it can cost today. Still, that was a lot of money back then and an impossible amount to pay for two struggling acting school owners. And so, as thanks for accepting their children when no one else would, Martin Luther King Jr. and his wife Coretta Scott King stepped in to pay the hospital bill, allowing Walter and his wife Betty Lou to welcome their daughter Julia into the world without worry. It's a delightful tale of one couple helping another, demonstrating what true community is all about. We lift each other up, help out when we can, and make sacrifices for those in need. We could all use a bit of inspiration in that department from time to time, I think. I know I can. And that gift of theirs, of paying the hospital bill for a couple of friends, had one other silver lining. Silver, as in the silver screen. Because Betty Lou and Walter Roberts would get to see their daughter Julia become one of the biggest movie stars of our era. And quite a pretty woman. Hollywood actress, Julia Roberts. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. 
So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com stereo right now. NetSuite.com stereo. NetSuite.com stereo. While many countries have declared war on the United States over the years, few have ever acted upon those threats, and for good reason, because they know that they would lose. The British, of course, took on the Continental Army during the Revolutionary War and lost. And who can forget December 7th of 1941, when Japanese forces bombed Pearl Harbor in Hawaii, officially dragging the United States into World War II. The conflict lasted another four years, but in the end, the Axis powers were defeated and the Allies celebrated victory. But during World War I, one year after America had entered the fray, Germany did more than threaten to attack the United States. They actually did it, and in one of the most unexpected places, too. Jutting off of Massachusetts like a vestigial tail or the flexing arm of a bodybuilder is the peninsula of Cape Cod. Since the late 1800s, it's been a summer getaway for the East Coast elite, a place to get away from the hustle and bustle of the big city. And of course, in 1975, it stood in for the cozy, shark-infested hamlet in Steven Spielberg's blockbuster hit, Jaws. However, nearly 60 years earlier, the Germans arrived to turn the Cape into a war zone. It happened on the morning of July 21st of 1819. The German submarine U-156 had surfaced off the coast of Orleans, a small town on the eastern edge of Cape Cod. It was believed that the sub, under the command of Captain Lieutenant Richard Feld, had been hunting for the transatlantic submarine communications cable connecting Orleans to France. This cable linked stations on land and allowed them to communicate across vast distances, and Richard wanted to sever it. However, another vessel had entered the area, a steam-powered tugboat named Perth Amboy, along with four barges in tow. The U-boat sat there in the waters as the tugboat puttered by, and Richard, for some unknown reason, ordered his men to helm the guns on deck. They fired at the tugboat, hitting all around the water and the beach and sinking one of its barges. The Perth Amboy took damage to its funnel and pilot house, but little did its captain know that help was on the way. A Curtis HSIL flying boat armed with one Mark IV bomb was en route. It had spotted the German sub and flew overhead, soaring at around 800 feet. Navy Ensign Eric Lingard, who was piloting the aircraft, called out to his chief special mechanic, Edward Howard. They were right overhead, and the time had come to release the explosive, even though the plane was 200 feet shy of the recommended safe bombing altitude. There just wasn't time for safety with a German U-boat tearing up the Massachusetts shore. Unfortunately, the bomb refused to break free, so Lingard and his men were forced to circle back around, taking fire from the U-boat's guns. And Howard, seeing no other way to get the job done, crawled out along the top of the plane, inching toward the bomb's manual release mechanism. The plane soon realigned itself with the sub, and Howard freed the bomb, which fell into the water beside the submarine, but it didn't detonate. Fearing the worst, the tugboat crew abandoned ship as the Coast Guard arrived to pull them out of the water. Another plane, 
This one piloted by Coast Guard Captain Philip Eaton showed up next, also armed with a Mark IV bomb. And the German U-boat tried to shoot it out of the sky, but failed while Eaton released his bomb from an altitude of 500 feet. And once again, the explosive refused to go off. Without any options, Eaton flew off and came back, only to chuck his toolbox and a wrench from the cockpit to the sub below, hoping to leave some kind of damage on the vessel's hull. The U-156 slipped below the waves once more and disappeared, just as residents along the beach came to see what all the commotion was about. News crews arrived shortly afterward to interview people, including the crew of the tugboat. Its captain, James Tapley, told the press about what he had witnessed, saying of the German sub, I never saw a more glaring example of rotten marksmanship. And it was true. There were no casualties, and other than a sunken barge, damage from the U-boat's guns was relatively minor. Which might be why so few people have heard about the moment when the Germans failed to attack the United States. But it was more than just a failure. One might go as far as to call it subpar. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works. I make another award-winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show. And you can learn all about it over at theworldoflore.com. And until next time, stay curious. Thank you.